to the Plus Size Traveler podcast, formerly known as the Plus Size Globetrotter podcast. Uh, my name's Lauren, and my good friend Adrian and I decided to create this podcast mainly because there weren't any podcasts dedicated to traveling while plus sized, and we saw the need for it and um, decided, why not us? So um, we first launched this podcast back in February of 2018 under my blog's name, which is the Plus Size Globetrotter. And in October, we decided to change the name over to the Plus Size Traveler podcast so we could um, invite other plus size travel bloggers to be our guest hosts. Um, and we wanted to have some special guests um, each episode. We are actually uh, re recording our very first episode right now, all about London, England, and airplane seats, simply because we, um, while we're not the most seasoned even now, uh, we were even less so back then, if you can imagine. And we had a lot of audio quirks, and um, we just wanted to iron that out and hopefully improve the listening experience for you guys out there joining us for the first time. For our podcast online, you can find us at the Plus Size Traveler Podcast Also, we're on Facebook and Instagram as the Plus Size Traveler Podcast. Um, as I mentioned, my name is Lauren. I'm living in Maui, Hawaii, and um, I work uh, for Expedia as a activities concierge here on the island, which means I get to book travel and talk about travel and planning travel all day, every day. So I'm in heaven. And um, I am a torrid size 28, and that's a four slash five as well for reference. You can find me at the plus size globetrotter.com. Also on Instagram and Facebook as the Plus Size Globetrotter. And my name is Adrian. I am in Los Angeles, California. And when I'm not traveling, I'm a director of marketing at one of the uh, local studios here. And for reference, I'm a Torrid Size 20. And I travel quite a bit um, every other month for uh, work or pleasure. And you can find me at TravelingAdrian.com and on Instagram at TravelingAdrian. So before we start talking about London today, um, which is our highlighted destination, um, we're going to talk about our plus size travel topic. Um, and today um, will be a topic. Sometimes it's an essential item. But um, we're going to talk about pretty much the most important thing that I think vexes plus size travelers. And the topic for this episode is, of course, airplane seats, as you might have guessed. Now, no one wants to hear it, but that's kind of what we're here to, uh, not burst bubbles, but just to nudge along the fact that travel might actually end up costing more for plus size travelers, um, especially if you're traveling like last minute or don't have time uh, to plan ahead. And no one wants to hear that it's going to cost them more, but it's sometimes just one of those things. I personally have not booked a single regular-sized plane seat probably in about four, maybe five years now. I just find the stress of the unknown too much, and I enjoy traveling so much that I don't. I want it to be stress-free. I want to go out and just enjoy myself. The things I start to worry about is, am I going to fit? Is the seatbelt going to fit? Are the people sitting next to me going to, you know, huff and puff, which you know it's going to happen. What I do is I I personally book two seats on an airplane uh, for myself. I, I don't usually need all that space, um, but knowing that it's there takes the stress off of 
my, my travel plans. Um, I'll also, if I can afford it, if basically two seats is more expensive than a first class seat, I will buy a first class seat. I'm absolutely not made of money, but I've made travel a priority in my life. So, um, the plane seat is always going to be the most expensive in my case. What about you, Adrian? What kind of problems have you had with airplane seating? Regular long haul flights, no problem. I'd say the one time I had a big problem was a commuter flight uh, on Ryanair. I believe it was from Prague to Rome. And the seat was small, but I carry my weight in my stomach. So it wasn't the issue of my hips, but the seat belt definitely didn't fit. And um, they wanted to charge me an extra seat instead of offering me a seatbelt extender. So my friend had to kind of stuff me in the seat to make me fit. So that was like my biggest issue. And that's just never any fun to be stuffed into a seatbelt. But um, seatbelt extenders, a lot of people have reached out to me via my blog to tell me that they didn't even know you could purchase uh, a seatbelt extender. And actually, it's quite easy. Um, I own two only because I couldn't find one one year and I just bought a second one. And of course you find it, but, uh, I own two. I bought them both on amazon.com. They were both roughly about $20 and they fit pretty much every airline, uh, that I've ever, um, traveled on in the U S and in Europe. Uh, the only seats that they don't fit on are the bulkhead. Um, so you might've seen it in some planes where the bulkhead seats, they're like, extra thick and they have padding and they're just formatted completely different. I never booked the bulkhead anyways, um, but they'll basically extend it. I think it's like three feet, plenty of space for us plus size travelers. Now there's also the possibility that you're traveling with a companion, a, a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend, family member, best friend. Um, in that case, you may not need that second seat because really the big issue is, is you're really going to spill over to the other seat just a little bit. Um, some of us more than others. But I mean, if you're traveling with a friend, like with, if it was just like me and Adrian, you know, we're going to just buy two seats sitting next to each other and lean into each other. So that happens a lot with like, if I'm traveling with my mom, that way I don't have to buy the second seat because it really just comes down to you not wanting to spill into the seat of a stranger, but your bestie, your husband, whatever, they're totally going to be okay if you lock arms and lean into each other, which is okay for like a four or five hour flight, but you might not want to lean into each other for like New York to London or something like that. So again, consider that second seat or that first class seat. Adrian, do you ever do that with Pat? Do you guys ever like just sort of lean in if there's a, if there's any kind of like space issues? To be perfectly honest, he's a really, really hot person. <laughs> so I tend to book a space in between us, but we have if necessary, but it's not ideal for me. Like we can totally fit in the seat. It's not an issue. It's just, he's so darn hot and he makes me sweaty. Yeah. I understand. Um, I often book uh, the window seat because there's sometimes like a good, like four or five inches um, from the window indenting out that I can sort of lean into, which will make things a little bit easier. If you haven't heard of uh, the website seatguru.com, that has been one of my planning first steps when I'm thinking about flights is I had to seatguru.com because they're going to have the width and the pitch, which is the depth of all of the seats, the first class, the economy plus, the economy. Really, if you're worried about it, if you haven't traveled on a plane in a long time, get the width and the pitch from these plane seats on Seat Guru. And what I've done in the past is sort of just like 
cut out a little sheet of cardboard from like an old Amazon box just to, you know, see, is my buttocks going to fit into this seat? Um, and that's something that you can definitely do. Again, when I also mentioned a bulkhead, sometimes those bulkhead seats don't have our regular armrests that like just go up. Uh, sometimes they're solid seats. So that's another, another reason to avoid bulkhead um, in my personal opinion. Um, once in a while, you can also get really lucky if you don't, if you just cannot book that second seat or you just cannot book that first class seat, uh, you can hold your breath and say a prayer and hope that somebody uh, at the airport, like one of the um, folks at the gate can find a seat without somebody next to you. That'll happen once in a while. And I hope it does happen for you. But for me, not knowing is just a little bit too stressful. So I don't like to do something like that. I will just go ahead and purchase that second seat. Do you have preferences, Adrian, as to where you sit on the planes when it's just you or when it's you and friends or you and Pat? I think now I definitely like sitting on the aisle because you can get up and down from the bathroom easily. Mm-hmm. But also I'd say most of the newer planes, there's a secret little latch um, in the armrest that can lift. So if you just want a little bit more room to spill out, but mind you, you might get hit by the food carts. There is a little bit more room when you lift up the armrest on the aisle. Nice. I really like that. I felt really bad. One of the last flights I took, somebody did that. And every time I had to go to the bathroom, I was just like scraping them. But hey, you know, we do what we got to do. And it's just, you know, two, four, six, eight hours on a plane. We're all suffering. So, you know, we'll just suffer together. Anyways, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on the Facebook or Instagram page and we can give you more specifics. If you're looking for like seat extender brand names or anything, um, just uh, reach out to us at any point. Awesome. Well, let's start talking about London. Okay. I've been to London five times. I'd say three times to be in London than two times just to pass through it. Lauren, how many times have you been there? I adore London. So that was my first international destination besides, I would say, Mexico, which for someone who grew up in San Diego is not really an international destination. (laughs) However, uh, I've been to London three times now. Awesome. Okay, so before we get into the top things to see, let's talk about London public transportation. It's great. It's a very old city. They built this transportation system back in the day where there was actual uh, trains running through the tube. So there's two things you can do. You can get an Oyster card. It's more of a pay-as-you-go, and you can load it up with money, or a travel card, which is a prepaid day pass. I believe it's one, three, or seven days. And when you arrive at Heathrow... There is a TFL slash Metro office underneath, and you can purchase either of those tickets there, or you can do a one-off ticket if you're just going to go to your hotel and take a tour. But these tickets cover both the double-decker buses and the subway. And again, you can just take the train from Heathrow all the way to city center. And the way that the Metro is set up for London, it's set up in zones. So zone one is, of course, the very middle of major downtown area. Zone two is that plus a little more. So everything that you probably want to see tourist-wise is in zones one and two. And that's what they're going to ask you at the uh, TFL slash Oyster office. They're going to ask you where you want to go because the, the more zones you go, the further out from the city center it is, the more expensive the cards are. 
if you are there just for a few days and you're trying to pack it all in, highly recommend a hop on hop off bus because it packs a lot of information, commentary, and all the hot stops. You could do it really all in one day if you crammed it all in. Any other comments on the public transportation system? The only thing I'll mention uh, from the larger of the two of us, it can be a little intimidating getting in some of these smaller um, tube cars. You don't want to, you know, take a seat next to somebody who's, you know, just like on the plane, it's going to huff and puff, that sort of thing. So I do a lot of standing on the, the London tubes. I do a lot of standing if there's, if it's like, I try not to travel during commuter time, but um, I do do a lot of um, standing if there's not a lot of open seating. So that's just something to think about. You're going to be in your travel shoes anyways. It's just, you know, something to take, again, some of the stress off of it. And then I guess one of the things that I'll mention is that, London, of course, is an old city, as Adrian had mentioned. So um, you're going to you're going to be using a lot of stairs to get in and out of these tubes um, and people are going to be moving fast around you. So, um, you know, nothing to stress out about, just something to be aware of. I would just say be prepared that almost every tube station is going to have stairs as the majority in and out. No, or not no, but not a lot of escalators, elevators. Um, There are uh, certain stops that are um, like wheelchair friendly that are going to have elevators, uh, but Uh, For the most part, you're looking at a lot of stairs getting in and out. So just be prepared for it. Um, It doesn't mean, you know, you, you know, don't go or don't try. Um, You'll get the hang of it. I got the hang of it. You bring up a really great point. Um, So there is a way to um, look at the the metro system for London and see which ones are handicapped accessible. So if you have issues with flights of stairs, and I remember having to go up like four flights of stairs for one stop. I was really, really winded. So you want to plan ahead. So in in certain cases, you may want to take the double-decker above-ground buses if there's a stop that is not accessible and stairs may be a challenge for you. Or if you have mobility issues. So just do your research for London. Again, old city. So um, just be prepared and wear really comfortable shoes and get ready to have some fun. All right, Lauren, what are the must-see things for a first-timer in London? It's obviously going to depend on the person. I guess since this is episode one, if you haven't read my blog, you're not quite aware of the main reason why I have traveled to London so often, which is because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So of course there's the Harry Potter locations. However, um, I know that I'm um, not like everybody else, and everybody's going for the real London, um, not the uh, fantasy London. I would say the main attractions are going to be the ones you're going to find in all of the tourist books, Uh, Buckingham Palace, uh, Westminster Abbey, uh, Big Ben, the Tower of London, I think is something nobody should miss. Uh, I just think it's just so much fun and the crown jewels are down there. It's a really fun stop. Um, Trafalgar Square, of course, and uh, the British Museum, uh, Covent Garden, for sure, and um, the West End. Uh, if you're a shopper in any way, shape, or form, which I'm assuming a lot of you are, um, you cannot miss Harrods. Uh, you could spend, I would say, upwards of a half a day uh, in Herod's alone, um, which is basically like Macy's meets Ikea in a weird way. Like I'm not talking furniture. I am just talking everything, uh, from food to, uh, jackets to books. I mean, it's toy stores. It's, it's an amazing, amazing shop. Um, and then of course there's Camden town, 
Um, what are your favorite places? I think you hit them all. So I did all those things the very first time I went to London. Like you, London was my very first international destination, which is great because, A, they speak English, and it's really, really easy to get around. Um, You know, when you are on the underground, there are maps everywhere. I'd say if anybody has any trepidations about international travel, start with London. It is very easy. And I actually broke my husband into international travel, taking him here. And he now is an international traveler. I really do like Camden Town. It is uh, a neighborhood that Amy Winehouse used to live in, uh, in the Camden Stables. I think there used to be real stables. It's uh, almost like an open-air market, flea market. There's like fun, funky uh, retro clothing and weird food. I really enjoy that. Without going into Harry Potter, and I know you love Doctor Who, I mean, there is a lot to do in London, but we can save all that fun fan stuff for another episode. Absolutely, because you'll never get me to stop talking about it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, things of note, museums in London are free, so you don't have to pay for that, and the British Museum is really, really amazing. What would you say? Do you think you need a whole day, or do you think like two days to go through all that museum, Lauren? Through the British Museum, I would say you could do that in one day. What about the British Library? Because they have like a lot of old textbooks and things. Did you go to that library? I did not. That has not been a stop I've made yet. Oh, darn. I have to go back to London. There you go. All right. Well, there's so much to see. And again, we won't get into the nerdy stuff, why we go to London, why I've been there so many times. But I will say... Even if you're not a super Harry Potter fan, you really do need to see the Warner Brothers tour in Leavesden. It is incredibly immersive and amazing, and that's all I'll say. But if you're there and you even like the Harry Potter films, you really need to see that. All right, let's transition to my favorite part of the podcast, Food Ventures. So, you know, London is a vibrant mix of cultures with amazing food. I'd say that... uh, Every tourist should go to Borough Market, and, and I'd say now it's a lot more touristy than it used to be because everybody knows about it. There's baked goods, cheeses, lots of um, eclectic and um, different ethnic foods, and it's a lot of fun. The first time you went to London, Lauren, did you have an afternoon tea? No, I still I don't. I've never in my life done an after a proper afternoon tea. I've never, which oh. blows my mind. Oh my gosh, I feel like you need to go back soon now. I know, I know. I'm, we're, I think you and I were planning on doing one in Bath at one point when you and I went to Bath together. That's right. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, time escaped us, sadly. That would have been my first, but you've done them? I've definitely done it. I've done it there and I've done it in... Um, Edinburgh, Scotland. I do recommend having a proper English tea. Read up on how you hold your pinky, how you hold your cup. And also there are little Indian neighborhoods all around London. So it's not just, I know you might've heard of like the famous Curry Lane, but um, where did we stay the last time we were there, Lauren, that neighborhood that I didn't even know there was a little India there. Um, we were near the British Museum, very close to the British Museum. We were right across the street from the fictional 221B Baker Street for the new Sherlock. That's right. <laughs> I can't remember what the neighborhood was called, but it was super central. It was very near, what's that big train station? Was it Euston? 
Yes, we were, we were right next to Houston Station. Station. That's right. And there's like a little India there. And again, they're they're all over the place. And I had amazing food every night. Like I think I had a different curry at a different restaurant every night while we were there. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, fish and chips. And then my favorite thing are pasties. They're handheld, savory and or sweet pies that you can get everywhere. They're at the train stations and metro stations. Lauren, what are your favorite things to eat in London? You and I are a little bit different. You are definitely the the more cultured foodie between the two of us. So honestly, when I think of London, I think of their snacks because they're so different and amazing. Um, I love going into the little grocery stores, um, Tesco, uh, just all of them and picking out different flavors of like potato chips. Like there's literally like a Worcestershire shark. <laughs> yes, and it's good. So good. Oh, so good. And just, I'm such a big fan of like bubbly water and like they have like embraced bubbly water. So I love buying all the different brands. Um, I like snacking in London, but uh, together we had probably the best fish and chips of my life at that one spot. That, that was in the West place. End, right? Like that was close to. Um... Oh, that was in the theater district. You're That's right. right. That's right. That's right. Oh, so good. Um, but yes, I would say Indian food is like the way to go um, outside of like the pub food. Um, but definitely do a pub a pub night with the fish and chips and, and the ales and where they're actually like pulling the pints. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. the, I, I don't know how to without my hands. So, uh, but it's <laughs> Yeah, definitely do something, do, spend a day or, uh, you know, do a lunch or a dinner in a pub. Definitely do some Indian food. But for me, it's just, I'm such a little nerd. I like going in and seeing like what makes things different. You can find in like the grocery stores because honestly, in don't hate me, Adrian, because I know what a foodie you are. My favorite culinary memory of London are those little sandwiches that you just can pick up anywhere where you grab it and you go and there is, um, you just peel it back and it's just a little sandwich cut in half, but there is literally one with turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce on it. And it's literally like what I think of when I think of food in London is just those little to go sandwiches and grabbing a packet of crisps and, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm very pedestrian when it comes to cuisine, as you can tell. <laughs> no, no, you like what you like. And um, didn't you also say that you love the kebab shops like in London and they're everywhere? They are everywhere. Yeah. So kebab shops, um, you can definitely do uh, after a few pints if you catch my drift, but uh, at any time of day, they're awesome. That being said, Lauren brings up a great point. There are convenient stores and mini markets everywhere because it is a commuter city. So you can travel London on a budget. If you are, you know, tight, you can stay at a hostel if you want to, and you can live off these sandwiches. I think the sandwiches were like two or three pounds, right? They're really inexpensive. Yeah. And you don't even, you can just walk and eat it if you want, save it for the double-decker bus, throw it in your backpack. Um, they're just, it's just so convenient. All right. Well, we are at the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the Plus Size Traveler podcast at plussizetravelerpodcast.buzzsprout.com or at Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the 
plus size traveler podcast as well. And just so everyone knows, every episode of the podcast, we're going to be switching in between international and domestic locations. And in our next episode, we are going to go back to domestic and we're going to talk about Oahu, Hawaii, one of my neighboring little areas. And um, what does that bring up for all of us when we think of going to Hawaii? Uh, We're going to talk about plus size bathing suits. And we're going to make you feel a lot better about purchasing that bathing suit and going on that bathing suit holiday. Most of all, we just hope that um, we've encouraged even just one person uh, to explore. And I just hope my fellow plus-size travelers enjoyed this information, have learned one, maybe two things from it, and have been inspired a little bit. I just wanted to say thank you very much for listening, and mahalo. Mahalo! Music by J.Y.